Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name, you will remember it. And now, the stud is here. Hey everybody, welcome in once again. It's David Summers, and it's another stud cast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It's the story of wrestling in America, as told by the stud, whose family started the profession over 100 years ago. We step back into the ring, back into time. He is the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. He is in Tennessee, the Great Smoky Mountains. How is how is life living for you, Ron? Oh man, it's great, Dave. Beautiful day here today, man. One of those blue sky, uh, no clouds, uh, and the leaves are just beginning to start to turn, man. Nice. You know, it, it's about to get beautiful here in the next couple of weeks, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. That is awesome. So much going on. And listen, we just made the announcement last week that you are now in total control of your studcast, Ron. That's big news. It is now more available than ever before on more than 30 different platforms, as well as available on your website at tnstud.com. If anybody has a problem finding it, please contact us on Facebook at Ron Fuller Welch. That's on Facebook at Ron Fuller Welch. Ron Fuller, the Tennessee stud, or the author Ron Fuller Welch page, all on Facebook. And you can also reach us on Twitter at Ron Fuller Welch there also. So listen, we've already talked to a lot of folks that said, okay, we're getting it, or we didn't have it on one particular platform, but now they do have it. So it looks like this week is going to be well-rounded. I think I think we're off to a great start, though. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm really uh, happy with the with being in control of everything at this point, and uh, and I and I've got a great production guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you're you talking know? about me? Yes. Yeah, yeah, man. I got a great production guy, and uh, and we're gonna crank out some great stuff, man. Uh, in fact, we're going to some great stuff in this studcast right here. Uh, yeah. We are getting into a. Yeah. A better time frame as, as, as shows go by here. And, wow, really looking forward to, to this one, my man. Oh, by God, I've heard your production guy's one of the best in the business, stud. So, All right, so this is the biggest week so far, Ron, for your YouTube channel, Southeastern Rewind. Of course, it, it's just getting bigger every week. So tell us about what went up this past Sunday. Well, Sundays are the big days, man, uh, where we're really trying to put in uh, some of the big – the new stuff and uh, last Sunday, USA Championship Wrestling Show number seven was loaded on the channel, and uh, and a new one goes up every Sunday afternoon. That's the way we're going to be doing it. We're releasing a new 
TV show every Sunday afternoon. And these original USA TV shows, they just keep getting better every week, man. And I watch them, I'm like, wow, man, this was a great show. Uh, so, you know, and it's obviously coming from the Knoxville Coliseum Ballroom. It's in 1988. This is show number seven that's up this week. And uh, this is the largest and the loudest TV crowd so far. And uh, and it has a Bill Dundee match. It has a Moondog match with manager Ron Wright and uh, Mongolian Stomper out there just uh, wailing away at the dog's opponent. You know, they got a good thing going, uh, those guys. And, uh, you know, there's several videos in this one. There's numerous interviews in this one. And at the very end of it, you know, fans, if you're watching it on YouTube, uh, don't miss that seven-man cyclone stampede that's at the end of this show because uh, it is probably the best thing on the show. And uh, that that seven-man cyclone stampede, uh, it, it's going to include and feature the Party Boys, all three of them this time, Johnny Davey and Scott Armstrong. The RPMs are in that uh, that stampede, and uh, there's two other wrestlers in it. So when and then on that same day, last Sunday, we had the Southeastern Sweet Spot number two. It was added on there. And uh, for those that haven't seen that Sweet Spot number one, the video with Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy, those are the two of the famous free birds uh, going at it against each other in a cage in Alabama. It's a truly historic piece. And uh, you need to be looking at that on YouTube, Southeastern Rewind. And uh, the new one, from Southeastern uh, Wrestling in 1977. This was a special production. And uh, it was the world-famous Mongolian Stomper special. But uh, this Southeastern Sweet Spot Man contains that awesome video, one of the greatest angles ever done in wrestling. And I don't have any trouble saying that and, uh, and meaning it. And uh, it was pretty <laughs> horrific and shocking, man. It was the blockbusting incident that, uh, that really, really set southeastern on fire we were already doing well but man this is what really cranked us and put us made us the best territory small territory in the world it happened in 1977 and uh one week apart on tv joe the duke and the mongolian stomper put concrete blocks on their heads dave and let gorgeous george jr break them with a sledgehammer <laughs> You know, that, that's something that was never done before. And I can tell you, it's never been done since. Uh, you know? I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. So, well, when you watch this, you know, I'd like fans to really pay attention to gorgeous George Jr. when they get ready to break these blocks, uh, especially the one on the stomper's head. He breaks the one on the stomper's head. And then they show the, them out of order. They show the Jola Duke breaking first, mm -hmm. but it actually happened second. <laughs> Yeah. And on that second week, when Joe Duke gets the block put on his head, if you really look at it, that block on Joe Duke's head is about twice the size of the one that was on the Stomper's head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then at the last second, uh, it's supposed to be gorgeous George Jr. breaks the block like he did on the Stomper's head, but the Stomper's standing there, and he grabs the sledgehammer, and he breaks this big block on Joe's uh -huh. head. <laughs> and that sends him to the hospital. And he's there for a week. Joe, uh, Joe uh, really, I don't think, ever really fully recovered 
from wow. this hey, I was Yeah, and I was going to mention, and I read a lot of the comments on your Facebook page, and folks, and some of the guys, one guy said, I knew Joe, and somebody else said, oh, I knew uh, the Stomper personally, and both of them said it was the worst thing that ever happened to them in wrestling, and they wished that they hadn't done it. Because yep. they they certainly regretted it down the line, and I remember going back as as you told about that on the original Studcast. Yes, yes, and uh, you know, and they came to me with the idea. I didn't <laughs> like it from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. I thought that it was extremely dangerous. I told them no, I don't think we ought to do it, and they just insisted. So, uh, uh, straight kind of strange one, but this is southeastern uh, sweet spot number two, uh, fans. If you've never seen this. You, you got to see it. And if you have seen it, you're going to go and see it again. I uh, Listen, I think you knew, and I think they both knew this is going to go over big time. And I, I can certainly see why no one ever tried it before or after. And to me, Ron, the best part of this block-busting southeastern sweet spot is that the first, shown at full speed, and then in slow, at first, you see it in full speed, then you see it in slow motion. And it was extremely dangerous, this whole feat of strength thing that, that just did not end well. As we said, they both regretted doing it eventually down the line. No wonder, four out of five total people watching TV during that one hour Southeastern time frame each week in 1977 they were watching your show. And I, I wish you could equate that into numbers. How many individuals sitting on the couch at home were sitting there with your channel on? Well, I had those rating books, man. And, and I had those numbers at one time. I wish I had kept those rating books. But <laughs> that, what, that had, what that is, Dave, is that equates to 80% of the people that are watching the TV at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoons in the Knoxville area. We're, uh, we're watching Southeastern wrestling. And, and uh, you'll never see that kind of numbers again. I can tell you that in anybody's oh. television rating. Oh, no. And the population of Knoxville in 1977 had to be at least a quarter of a million at that point. Maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe more. Yeah, good-sized city. Good-sized yeah. city. And, uh, you know, a whole lot of people watching Southeastern wrestling. They were addicted yeah. to it. <laughs> and uh, something like this, you know, uh, it really addicted fans, that's for sure. Well, you had numbers to where you you were competing as far as sports events goes uh, with with Neyland Stadium. And, I mean, sold out Neyland, Neyland Stadium when folks were there to watch the Vols play football. So that's pretty amazing. All right, so that that that's really cool. So what about tickets, and how are they selling for your Knoxville Dinner with the Stud? Wednesday night, October 13th, the famous Calhoun's on the River restaurant. How, how's it going? Geez, they're going great, Dave. Gosh, man, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're already back beyond what I anticipated we would be at the actual event. Uh, and we're maybe around 25 to 30 tickets left uh, for, for the capacity of uh, that uh, big uh, buffet uh, area up there. And, uh, uh, gosh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place setting where, this, where we're going to be doing this at. And, uh, you know, so uh, and it's a two hour barbecue buffet dinner. Um, one of the best restaurants in America. That, and that is their they barbecue is their deal. And, uh, you know, that and fans are going to get those two free eight by 10 autograph photos, one of Les Thatcher and one of me. 
And uh, we're going to do the first ever live studcast. We're going to do a one-hour question and answer session. We got special door prizes. Uh, wow, and great door prizes. Uh, Les Thatcher's going to give away some, I mean, vintage magazines that are worth uh, hundreds of dollars. I mean, uh, you know, I'm going to give away the Tennessee stud mask and T-shirts. Uh, hmm. We're going to have some great door prizes. We've got a cash bar there, man. Uh, we're going to greet everybody as they come through the door at the beginning of the evening, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to say goodbye to them as well at the end of the evening. Hey, that's cool. And listen, you now you, you also have a, a, a little bit of a change, but I think it's it's going to be okay. And we're thinking about your cousin, Jimmy Golden. Jimmy is not going to make this, but tell us why. Well, Jimmy's, uh, Jimmy's ha- having a little bit of uh, medical work done on that particular day, and he had to back out. But we're going to have him again for one of these, the next uh, dinner with the uh, stud. And uh, we're going to have in his place Dr. Tom Pritchard, man, who was uh, obviously a big star with Continental Wrestling, one of my companies. Uh, he worked a little bit in Southeastern as well. And uh, now he's a famous wrestling trainer mm-hmm. in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's got a company. They train. Uh, he's got a partner who's Glenn Jacobs, the WWE Kane, you know, and who's the present mayor of Knoxville. That's in five with him. So um, we'll have to have the mayor there too. <laughs> wow! Yeah, yeah. So uh, so that I mean that's pretty cool. When you train the big red machine of still of WWE fame, that's uh, that's awesome. Which just tells me this event just keeps getting better. It sounds like fans need to get their tickets as soon as possible. They're only thirty bucks at tnstud.com. Tnstud.com. Click on Stud Store. You get the two free photos alone, which are worth 30 bucks, and you also get the entertainment, dinner, and door prizes are included. Ticket sales will end Monday, October 11th, two days before the event, because obviously they'll need some time to plan the food for the number of folks that are going to be there. That's tnstud.com. Click Stud Store and enjoy an unforgettable evening. Well, man, uh, this is this is great for me, Dave. Uh, I've really been wanting to do something special like this ever since I did the very first stud cast, and uh, and I've always been looking for a way to give back to fans, and and uh, and I'm also going to record both of these hours and show them on my Southeastern Rewind YouTube channel, and uh, and there's a possibility, and I'm going to throw this out here, and I'm going to do my best to make this happen if I can. I may be able to actually show this live on my Southeastern Rewind channel on that Wednesday night. So uh, it's wow. just another way of giving back, man, to fans out there. And uh, and I want to thank all of you fans out there, every one of you, for uh, all your support for the years that I've been doing this. That's, that's cool. A lot of folks are familiar with Facebook Live, but this would be YouTube Live. And as we get closer, I'm, I'm assuming you'll be able to let us know uh, where to watch or what to do as far as tuning in on YouTube. So that's a that's a pretty awesome addition right there in and of itself. All right, we'll so, be, I'll be letting you know next week. I'll know by next cool. next studcast, man. All right, good deal. I know you you got some technical folks you're going to be talking to about getting this thing rigged up, and and that is going to be exciting. All right, stud, where are we riding to today? Man, we're taking off today in an entirely different trail, man. Uh, we we're going to have a note today's training or learning tree in this one uh, and we're going to be for the first time uh, riding through two back-to-back Friday nights 
uh, instead of just one week as we've been doing it at a time, we're going to take, we're going to, we're going to run these horses a little bit today, Dave. You know, we're going to get in two Friday nights in late September, both of them in late September of 1977. And uh, we're still on that roller coaster, man, to find out who's going to wrestle Harley Race on October 7th, 1977. So looking, uh, looking forward to this one today. Oh, no doubt. And knowing you, there must be a reason for this because, I mean, what's going on uh, in, in, in that that creative mind of yours? Tell us what, what's happening. Well, well, we just <laughs> talked about the opening, uh, you know, the upcoming dinner of the stud. Yeah. You know, with the stud on Wednesday night, October 13th, and that I'm going to be doing a special first ever live stud cast at that dinner. And it just so happens, Dave, that almost exactly 44 years ago, to the day earlier than this broadcast that we're going to be doing, uh, Harley Race was coming to Knoxville to defend the NWA title. Wow. <laughs> so that, that is pretty, what a coincidence, man, that yeah. this, this particular stud cast is going to fall almost to the day of 44 years earlier that Harley Race is going to wrestle heavyweight championship there and i'm going to do something never before done on the stud cast we're going to cover two events in this stud cast the next week's stud cast which is going to be the last event before harley's arrival we're going to find out who finally gets the shot at harley and uh doing that dave means that the special live stud cast at the dinner with the stud is going to focus entirely on the fantastic world title card of October 7th, 1977, 44 years ago. Wow. Okay, so we, we're, we're arranging it so we can record it here, and I'll be able to listen in from our uh, producer's studio, and so I won't miss a thing, and I'll be able to keep up on the Studcast. So really, that's, that's pretty amazing. Talk about a Southeastern Rewind. You are going to rewind history 44 years back from the first Dinner with the Stud record the special studcast and play it as usual on all the platforms for all studcast listeners the following day thursday october 14th 2021 is when it all comes out and then put it on your southeastern rewind youtube channel as well you you're going to be able to accomplish all that uh, well man I, i'm doing my best you know uh, i've been uh, giving it a lot of thought and i want to do it everything i can for these fans out there and uh and obviously, you really see it, man. You, you've, you've caught it, man. Fans can listen to it, as usual. Or they can go to Southeastern Rewind, the YouTube channel, and see it as well as here. So uh, I'm going to take it one more step, even beyond that, man. I'm record the question and answer session at the dinner. I'm going to put that on the YouTube channel also. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to give them everything I can. Oh, no doubt. It's going to be groundbreaking stuff, Ron. Absolutely. So tell us uh, about this stud cast. Exactly what is going to be going down today? Let's get to it. All right. So today we're rewinding Southeastern to September of 1977. We have three events left before Harley Race arrived to defend his title. I held the Southeastern belt this, on this night and, uh, and the right to wrestle race. I had won the belt on September 2nd, 1977 from the Stomper, and I successfully defended it against the World Junior Heavyweight Champion, Nelson Royal, and the last stud cast. 
So we're going to go in depth today to take a look at two of the three events left before race arrives. The first was Friday, September 16, 1977, the last week that we're going to be in the Bill Meyer Baseball Stadium in 1977. I was defending the Southeastern title and the shot at Harley Race against a wrestler who was becoming a huge star at that time himself, uh, the Southern Heavyweight Champion. I'm talking about the, the King of Memphis. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler <laughs> is going to be wrestling against me for the Southeastern title, and uh, he'll be in the boat if he wins it. He'll be in the he'll be in the driver's seat to get that match with Harley. <laughs> and obviously, challengers were coming still from all over the country to try and get that shot at Harley. So last week, I met a challenger from the East, and from North Carolina, and Nelson Royal showed up. And this time, my challenger comes from the West, out in Memphis, on the western side of the state. So uh, uh, things are happening in Southeastern in 1977. They're coming at you from all sides. All right, so why don't you set us up with the entire card, September 16th, 1977. All right, and this one, Dave, is another great card, man. Uh, Ricky Gibson opened the night uh, against the fast-improving young guy from the far side of Tennessee as well, over there on the western side, David Schultz. And the pro, Doug Gilbert, uh, took an – Took another uh, step up, and, and uh, you know, the, he had a up-and-coming star, too, Jerry Stubbs, that he was wrestling in the second match. The next match gave the new fan favorite that had been starting off every night by standing the crowd up week after week, Roy Lee Welch, had his first shot at a major star. And uh, Roy Lee was going to face off with the Mongolian Stomper. Managed by Gorgeous George Jr. <laughs> so uh, there was a huge six-man tag on this one. Six-man Texas Tornado death match, to be exact. All six men were going to be in the ring at the same time, and it had death match rules, which meant as a guy was defeated, he uh, got counted out. It, there was a 30-second rest period, and then he had to count to a count of 10 by the referee to get to his feet, or he lost the match mm -hmm. for his team. Yeah. So Joe LaDuke. Bob Armstrong, and the very popular at this point, Tony Charles, are wrestling against Mr. Knoxville, Ronnie Garvin, Bob Orton Jr., and Al Costello, their manager. Mm. And I was defending the Southeastern Championship and the shot at Harley Race in October against Jerry the King Lawler. All right, so that's a pretty great card right there, but you got a lot at stake as well. What was, uh, what was on the TV show Saturday September 10th, I believe, is the date, 1977, that promoted this card. Well, it opened with Les running down the card for the show, and uh, as always. And then when the cameras backed away, the big old giant set behind him had a full screenshot, still shot. It showed me with my hand in the air being handed the southeastern belt. Nelson Royal was laying on the mat and holding his right leg. Uh, you know, uh, so... Yeah, you know, it was a, it was at the set with Les in Southeastern. Um, Les congratulated me for the big win over the world junior heavyweight champion Nelson Royal, and uh, asked the director Bill Kincaid to back the video up, and uh, we got to watch about the last four minutes of that match. And I just was at the end of that match working Nelson Royal's right leg big time, trying to get my toehold on him, and uh, Les pointed out to the we were about 45 minutes into the match, 
uh, and uh, I had not been able to get that hold on him because, of, as Les pointed out, Nelson Roy was a great defensive wrestler. And but once I got my hold, man, he fought my fuller leg lock for almost a minute before he finally gave up. I kind wow. of felt sorry for him, man. I, I know how painful that hold is. So I went to the ring for the first match of the show. Uh, right after the uh, video, I got a quick win with the toe hold again, and I returned to the set. After the commercial break, I watched an interview from Memphis with an extremely good talker at this point in his in his career. He's really getting his act together, Jerry the King Lawler out of Memphis. And he brought up the fact in this interview of how I dominated Memphis wrestling two years earlier, 1975, that I was the Southern champion for most of the year until he reminded me and he reminded everyone on the interview until he took the belt from me. And uh, then he said I disappeared from that part of the country because I knew I couldn't compete with him. So that, and then now he said that now he was coming for my belt, my Southeastern belt and mm. my shot at Harley race in the next month. Mm. So, and, and then he finished up that I didn't have to worry anymore about keeping the belt because it was as good as gone. That he was going to hit a home run in that baseball stadium the following <laughs> Friday night and knock my head over the center field fence. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a pretty good baseball team in Memphis back in those days, too. Okay. So, you know, so, and there wasn't a real great, you know, there wasn't a close relationship between me and Lawler, uh, right. especially back in those days. Yeah. You know, it had gotten better over the years, a couple of years, but. But I mocked him right away uh, after his interview for being called the king. Uh-huh. And I reminded him about that famous riverboat in downtown Memphis called the Memphis Queen. <laughs> and I said, that was a lot closer to what he actually was than the king. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, it got a little nasty, I'd say, you know. And then, and then, you know, I said that, you know, he may own the western side of the state at total S. He might own the western side of the state. But when he comes to the Smoky Mountains next Friday night, he's going to get smoked. <laughs> <laughs> that's southeastern. That's stud country. Wow, and yeah. Memphis Queen is never going to be able to beat a Tennessee stud. <laughs> so second match was only the second TV match for the now very popular Royally Welch. I mean, he's really making inroads and with Southeastern fans. He got a great welcome, man, from the studio. Uh, he thanked him uh, by taking a quick lap around the ring and high-fiving as many people as he could. And uh, then he managed another remarkable win over a very surprised Bill Dundee, who is a great opponent. He, he's a great little heel at this time frame. And um, Dundee... Like uh, many before him that was dealing with Royley, got overconfident in that match and thinking the match was won. You know, he, he ended up in that abdominal stretch that Roy's father, Lester, had taught him, man. And Lester had won hundreds of victories in Knoxville back in the 50s and 60s. He was a huge star in Knoxville. So the fans went crazy over the win, as always. Dundee left the ring shaking his head. I'm sure he was asking himself, how the heck did that happen? So Roy went to Studio B for his first ever Southeastern interview. And Les was joined at the set by Roy's opponent, the Mongolian Stomper, managed by gorgeous George Jr. So Roy started the interview off, and he talked about how proud he was to be in a match 
with someone as world famous as the stopper. And he had told his father about it. He said, I had a recent conversation with my dad and said, I'm wrestling the stomper next Friday. And uh, he said, my dad told me to be careful. <laughs> he said, the stomper had hurt him twice <laughs> in his career. Yeah. And he said, he's a very dangerous opponent. So wow. <laughs> you know, don't, don't think you're going to have an easy night. Mm. So, uh, well, that, by the time Roy finished his little short interview, Gigi could hardly wait, man. <laughs> for Roy to quit talking. And he instantly jumped in, man, and bragged that Roy's father was no dummy. He says, Roy Lee, your your dad's no fool. <laughs> you know, you, you need to take his take his word, son. You know, he's already hurt your dad. And uh, this this Friday, the Stomper's gonna hurt you, son. You know, he's gonna you, you're way out of your class here, basically, he was telling him and uh, you're going to be like your daddy hurt badly. So, uh, and he said, you know, he ended up, you know, getting, leaving Roy entirely and, and talking directly, I think, to me. You know, he says, uh, you know, he says, my stomper is, is still fuming mad about losing his belt. And he still got his eyes on Harley Race in October. Hmm. There's still a way that he can get there. And we know it. And that he that he, meaning himself, and the Stomper, they were going to do whatever it took to get that Southeastern belt back. Mm -hmm. So, personality profile was Al Costello, Mr. Knoxville, Ronnie Garvin, and Bob Warden Jr. They watched the video from the night before where all six men in a regular tag match were in the ring most of the time like it was a tornado match. So, for that very reason, this next Friday, they're going to be in a Texas tornado death match. Now, Al Costello, he promised not just a victory, but at least one of these three opponents was going to get hurt bad. So the pro, Doug Gilbert, uh, was in the third match. A uh, very brief personality profile, but uh, Doug Gilbert uh, came into the studio. The fans hated Doug Gilbert. Wow. They had me, and Doug did the same thing he always did. He ragdolled another opponent, man, put him to sleep, shook him, hit arms, legs, the heads. Uh, you know, it, it was it was horrible what he did to the young wrestlers. And uh, this time, however, though, he finally got his hand raised because he'd been disqualified the last two times he'd been on TV. He won the match, and then he discontinued uh, punishing the guy, and the referee disqualified him. This time. He got his hand raised. So Mr. Knoxville, Bob Warden Jr. and Al Costello, they came back for the third interview. Hmm. Uh, they had a little more time here than they had in the profile. And this time, Ronnie Garvin and Bob Warden Jr. took the interview as their manager, Costello, kind of stayed in the background and could cheer, cheered them on. And uh, then the studio erupted, man, when the next... Uh, the next group showed up. Bob Armstrong, Joe LaDuke, and Tony Charles appeared in the ring for the last match of the show. And fans couldn't get enough of these three guys. So this three-man team just kept piling on the punishment for their opponent. <laughs> fans didn't want them to pin them, you know. And so, no, 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 give us more. So finally, Joe got the bear hug. Bob Armstrong jacked one of them's jaw, and Tony Charles put one of those fantastic throws, man, that he was famous for on, mm. uh, on the last one. And, 
and boy, that satisfied the crowd finally. <laughs> they, they, they got all they needed, man. They'd seen all three of them do something devastating. And listen. So, uh, the three of them finished another good TV show, and uh, with an interview that had everybody on their feet at the end of the show. Oh, no doubt. And listen, listen explain again when you say uh, Tony Charles says a throw. And and really, it's a uh, it, it's some kind of where he actually picks them up and slings them across the ring, or a, a hip tosser. Explain yeah. a throw. Yeah, see, it's a, it's 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 a variation. It was always a variation of uh, we called it a hip toss. Uh, he called it something else, and he would throw his instead of just uh, taking the guy as a, mm-hmm. a hip toss being an example, right. And throwing your hip out there and kind of flipping over your hip. Yeah. He would extend his whole leg out in front of the guy. Yeah. It was a it was more than a hip toss. Yeah. It was a, a leg toss, you know. Yes. And uh, so you know, and Tony did something different every match. He always had a different ending. He won with so many different throws. Mm-hmm. And that's what he called. We yeah. call him a Resting moves, you and know, it, hip toss, whatever. Yeah, you know, uh, arm drag, whatever. <laughs> he called them throws. Throws, and that's what the English people called those moves yeah. were throws. Either way, he was. As I've heard you talk about him over the weeks and and the years, really, he was he was quite the innovator. That's that's awesome. All right, so what happened the next Friday night, stud? Well, Ricky Gibson, he got a got a win over David Schultz. Uh, Ricky was really a great young wrestler, man, and he was. He was a years ahead of Schultz. Schultz basically just getting started. Obviously, the pro, Doug Gilbert, many years of experience, beat Jerry Stubbs. But Jerry Stubbs was really improving as well. The Mongolian Stomper got the win that many predicted over Roy Lee Wells. But it wasn't nearly as easy as it was expected. In fact, Roy Lee hung tough, man, as the Stomper. Couldn't seem to finish him. He just kept uh, slamming him, and he just kept stomping him, and he would cover him, and Roy Lee would kick out and kick out and kick out. I mean, uh, Roy had a lot of heart, and uh, in the end, Gigi had to draw the referee so that Stomper could grab his tights and actually beat him by cheating. So, you know, it was it was, uh, it was almost <laughs> like a win for Roy, hmm. as a matter of fact. So then the six-man tag that night was really wild. It lasted more than 30 minutes. Uh, they had all six men down for the count at least once during the match. You know, all of them. You know, uh, uh, that rarely happened in these type of matches, these six-man tags where everybody has gotten beat at least once. And the ending surprised everybody in the stadium. You know, uh, Bob Armstrong had put Al Costello down for the three count uh, two times in a row. Pinned him twice, but Costello managed to get to his feet after the 30-second rest period, and while the referees give him a 10 count, he managed to struggle to his feet. So the second time that Bob had pinned Costello, but when the referee started to give him the 10 count, the other four guys in the team, in the, in the ring, I'm, I'm sorry, in the ring, uh, which was uh, Ronnie Garvin, Mr. Knoxville, and uh, Bob Warden Jr., uh, Joe LaDuke and Tony Charles, they got into it bef- before the count was even finished. And uh, the referee went with them and to the far side of the ring. And then Dave, suddenly from the heels dugout, hmm. came an old familiar face that hadn't been seen in exactly one year to the day uh-uh. after he lost the loser leave Southeastern match. 
Oh, Don Carson finished his year out. He finished his year out of Southeastern, and he was headed to the ring with his black glove on. And the, and the referee, you know, was on the far side of the ring, still trying to restore some order in the ring among the other four guys. Didn't see what was going on. Bob Armstrong was just standing there, and poor Al Costello was getting to his feet, and he was staggering and about to turn in to a jawjacker that was going to turn his lights out for good. Uh. And uh, behind Bob Armstrong, Don Carson loaded his glove, slid right in the ring, spun Bob Armstrong around, and he knocked him out. Mm. I mean, he was gone. Wow. You know? And uh, Carson went right back to the dugout. You know, that's where it's a baseball stadium. So, you know, he went back to the dugout. But before he got there, the crowd got him pinned up and he had to fight his way to get to the dugout Uh before the referee (laughs) ever saw him. Referee never saw him. Wow. So, you know, so at this point, now Bob Armstrong's down. Al Costello covers him. The referee finally gets these guys separated over there. He counts Bob out the, t- the three count. Then he gives him a 30-second rest period. Bob wasn't able to get to his feet for the 10 count. That stadium was going crazy, man. They were, you know, um, the, the, they never liked Don Carson anyway. And, wow, what a horrible way for him to show back up, you know. And uh, so so was one of, he was one of the Southeastern's greatest heels, man. And he returned in a totally unexpected way. What and, and I wonder if you saw this, but what was the crowd doing when he first came out of the dugout and, and revealed himself to the crowd? That had to be it, like a big, oh, my God. Yeah, it was silent. The crowd went silent. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was like, oh, wait a minute. Is that Don Carson? Yeah, I mean, he, he, he quieted them down, and then once he nailed Bob, Boy, they 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 came to life. That's incredible. <laughs> they were trying to kill him on the way to the dressing room. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, about that too. I mean, love him or hate him, a reaction you always get it. One of my favorites, Don Carson, no doubt. Uh, that is crazy. So he shows up, he shows up like that, and he's back in Southeastern. Yep, yep, he sure did, Dave, and uh, and, he, and he was going to become one of the hottest heels again. In the next three weeks, he's going to light up Southeastern <laughs> man. Uh, he, he, he's coming back with a with a vengeance. Man. He, oh. He's coming back for, for to pain somebody for sure. Yeah, people, you know, you have a tendency because it was a loser leave or whatever the case, but people have a tendency to forget. And when Don Carson steps back into their lives, people just go. Oh, my God, has it been a year? And, yeah, it had. So, listen, more Don Carson coming. I, I should have known it. What? So what happened in the last match? Well, the last match, man, uh, you know, it, it was it was actually the screw job of the evening, the last match. That was a bad one where, you know, Carson shows up. But uh, true to Gigi's word on the TV six days earlier, you know, about doing whatever it took to get the belt back, that's exactly what happened in this last match. So Lawler, Lawler had become a top babyface in Memphis territory. He, for years, was a heel. But in 1977, early 77, he turned babyface, and uh, they loved him over there. And uh, so, you know, he had most – so 
when I went to the ring, I knew that he was no longer a heel. And uh, we didn't have that type of match that fans were expecting. You know, they didn't really know what was going on in Memphis, but I knew what was going on in Memphis. And uh, and I, I was going to see what kind of style of wrestling he was going to he was going to show that night. And uh, and so we had mostly a babyface match with a whole lot of wrestling in it, man. And toward the end of the match, the referee uh, got accidentally run into by Lawler. And, and I was able to put the fuller leg lock on Lawler while the referee was down. And, uh, and here comes somebody else from the same dugout as Carson, the Mongolian stomper. <laughs> he comes into the ring and he stomps me in the face. And he just disappears back out of the ring. And uh, so Lawler's laying there. I'm laying there. You know, it about knocked me out because I never saw him coming. He kicked me in the top of the head. I didn't even see he was there. And uh, Lawler got struggling to get up you know, because I had the toehold on him. And the referee, you know, uh, finally got up. And uh, Lawler stood up above me, over me, and he was... You're looking over his shoulder at the stomper like, what in the heck is going on here? What is this all about? So the referee came over to him, and I heard him tell the lawyer, he says, uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to cover him? Hmm. So, so, you know, what's Lawler to do? I mean, he covered me, and, and I was counted out. You know, I wasn't able to kick out of it. So Jerry Lawler became the champion Whoa. for the first time in Southeastern history. And uh, he was now in line for the NWA title match with Harley Race 21 days later. Wow. Do you recall how old Jerry was at that time when he became champion? He's oh. young. Still, he, a, he's, he's, in a, his, he's young. He's a young wrestler. Uh, in his 20s, you know? probably? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He and I were probably pretty close to the same age. Huh. 77. I was less than 30 years old. Yeah. I was 29. He was wow. probably. 27 or 28 no man you were really making them mad that night ron i mean what so i know the attendance was absolutely huge for this one what was it like well it was it was about five thousand again dave uh, you know we're still in that baseball stadium we're not in the in the uh, amphitheater or the coliseum but uh you know wow we're about to make that baseball stadium as popular as the amphitheater in the coliseum though i mean we're we're doing these five thousand crowds in there yeah. Uh, the baseball team is still playing, right? Yeah. And they're drawing 300. <laughs> <laughs> and we're drawing 5,000. I mean, uh, uh, I'd have hated to been a baseball player and go, wow, yeah. <laughs> we don't get any support at all. Yeah, the coach was probably telling them to scrap more often, so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right, Stud, I think this is a great place for the break. Let's do that before you surprise us with something else. We're going to return with what happened the next week of September 23rd, 1977. That's coming up. And remember, as you take a break with us, to find Southeastern Rewind on YouTube, subscribe, ring the bell to get reminders on when the greatest stories in wrestling will be dropped on YouTube. You ring the bell, and they'll ring your bell, so you'll make sure you know when to find everything on YouTube. And be sure to tell your friends about Southeastern Rewind as well. 
We'll be back. The Studcast will continue right here. Stay with us. The Stud is stepping up for all old school wrestling fans every day now. His Southeastern Rewind YouTube channel is going to be the best place to find old school TV shows like Southeastern, Continental, and USA Championship Wrestling. Fans are going to be treated to TV shows from all three companies in the order they were originally shown. Get on board now. Subscribe at Southeastern Rewind and ring the bell. It all begins with USA Championship Wrestling in 1988. Seven complete shows are there now. And when number 25 airs, then come the historic Southeastern shows of the 1980s. This is the best place to find old school TV wrestling and all kinds of specials. Simply subscribe, ring the bell, and we'll ring your bell every time something new is added to the Southeastern Rewind channel on YouTube. Stay with the stud who's keeping it old school. All right, welcome back in. David Summers with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It's another stud cast. We hope you're having fun listening to the stud and the stories continue. All right, Ron, so we're up to the card for Friday, September 23rd, 1977, back in the Coliseum for the first time in like four months. Yep, yep, and uh, glad to be there, too. Tell you that, man, getting out of that baseball stadium. You know, uh, so, uh, uh, and, and this is an, another pretty darn good card here, man. Uh, Tony Charles was in the first match against the Bounty Hunter. Uh, Roy Lee Welts in the second match against the Pro, Doug Gilbert. That's going to be a good match. Roy's, uh, Roy's uh, really hanging with everybody, and I uh, was looking forward to seeing that. The return of Robert comes back. He's been gone for a couple of weeks in uh, Memphis Territory, and he comes back to take on Al Costello. Then there's a Southeastern Tag Championship match. Mr. Knoxville, Ronnie Garvin, and Bob Orton Jr., uh, managed by Al Costello, are going to face off against Joe Duke and me. So I'm looking forward to that match at this point. Special challenge match on this card, Bob Armstrong versus Don Carson after what happened <laughs> Friday before. Obviously, Bob wants him, and, and it turns out Don wants Bob. So, uh, <laughs> The Southeastern Championship match, this time the new champion, Jerry the King Lawler, is going to defend against the Mongolian Stomper, hmm. and it's by Gorgeous George Jr. So it's a six-man, uh, you know, it's a six-match Coliseum card. Uh, we've been having five matches throughout the summer in the park and, uh, and in the baseball stadium. This one we moved up to that six-man again, six matches because we're in the Coliseum. So Jerry is a babyface along the way, and he actually gets the victory over you to take the championship. How rare is that that two babyfaces face off and and the the belt changes hands? Oh, it very very seldom happens, man. They don't um, normally fans don't like the babyface match, and fans didn't think that was going to be a babyface match in the beginning. Like I said, right? They right. had never seen Lawler act, yeah, wrestle like that. And when he started wrestling and he wasn't uh, doing his kicking and fighting mm -hmm. uh, like usual, uh, they finally realized that well, something's something different about Jerry Lawler <laughs> here. You know? And then when he didn't want to pin me right away after Stomper kicked yeah. me in the head, you know, then they really figured out that, well, hey, he, he's, a, he's a pretty cool dude, maybe. You know? yeah. so, uh, so 
it was a, it was another great card, and they, you know, less less open this open this uh, TV on that day, which was uh, TV was on September 17th, and less opened the card uh, with the card for the TV show, and then the big set behind him had a still shot of Jerry Lawler, that shot I just talked about, standing over me, and he was looking over his shoulder at the retreating stomper. You could see stomper running back to the dugout in the background. So when the cameras backed away, there sat Jerry Lawler, the new Southeastern heavyweight champion with the belt in front of him. So some fans cheered him, and some still booed him. You know, they were trying to figure out what, what's the deal with Jerry Lawler here. So, you know, he told us it was the worst victory he ever had. <laughs> he said, I hated the way I won this match, you know. So this wasn't right. So, you know, and obviously by the time he talked a little bit with Les and they, they watched a little bit of this, you know, uh, everybody realized that he changed his ways. And, and he was a, they saw why he was a crowd favorite in, uh, in Memphis, man. So he said he was surprised. He said, he, he told us, he said, you know, I was really surprised when I got there and they put me in the wrong dressing room, <laughs> meaning they put him in the dressing room with the heels. <laughs> you know, he's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> and, then, and then he said, that, and then he says, I was even more surprised when the stomper came in the ring and did what he did, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it was a it was a strange evening for Jerry too as well. So mm -hmm. so he he and Les they watched the video after it was backed up and the studio man erupted in booze uh, when Stomper crashed his his big boot into my face man at the end of the match and uh, you know and I came out uh, to to congratulate Laura. I felt that, you know, uh, that I needed to, you know. And while I got a, a big pop from the crowd, they were happy to see that, that I could walk again after being kicked in the back of the head like that. And, and I told Lawler that, uh, that I really appreciated what he did the night before and that, uh, you know, he'd always been a great wrestler. And, and I knew he was now cheered by thousands of fans on the other side of the state, the mm. Memphis area. And that I wished him the best of luck on uh, the following Friday night in defending his title because I'd much rather see you, Jerry, wrestle Harley Race than I would the Stomper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I left the set, and uh, Jerry Lawler went to the ring for an extremely rare Southeastern TV match. I think it was the only Southeastern TV match he ever had. Probably. Wow, yeah. And he was wrestling a great young heel, David Schultz. Oh. And by the end of that match, Jerry Lawler was a bona fide baby face. <laughs> David Schultz made him a baby face for sure. <laughs> and uh, so uh, the new Southeastern champion came out of the ring a real baby face. And he returned to the set with Les, and Stomper and Gigi were in Studio B. And, uh, the three of them, man, exchanged, you know, uh, uh, set the stage, man. They, they exchanged some really insulting remarks, and uh, they set the stage for a great match the following Friday night in the Coliseum, man. And Stomper and Gigi were roundly booed at the end of the, this little uh, interview session, and Lawler was, man, they were cheering him now. Yeah. He, was, he was definitely going to be the baby face come next Friday. Hmm. Studio went crazy, man, when the next team entered, man. Joe LaDuke and I 
we uh, we came into the studio. They they were like, wow. And, uh, you know, we made short, short work of our opponents, which were, you know, a couple of uh, heels that, uh, you know, didn't have didn't have really a chance against yeah. me and LaDuke, especially Joe, big old Joe. And uh, so we went to the set for the second interview, Mr. Knoxville, Ronnie Garvin, Bob Warden Jr., uh, managed by Costello. They were in Studio B. And I told the fans, you know, that this is my first time ever to wrestle partners with Joe LaDuke. And it was. And I said, it's an honor. You know, I mean, Joe LaDuke is a tremendous athlete, and, uh, you know, I'm proud to have an opportunity to wrestle with him. And he complimented me and told me how bad he felt about what happened to me the night before <laughs> and the night I lost my title, you know, the, the stomper the sneaking in and uh, and kicking me. So, uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, he said, and then he threw in, he said, you know, Ron, I'll never forget the, the what happened what happened to me with the blockbusting incident you know which had been at this point about three months earlier and uh, how the stomper sent me to the hospital man with a serious neck injury and I'm glad he didn't do the same thing with you the heels were in the next in, in next studio man and they were feeling good again about being back in tag matches and not being in six man tags and they were facing two guys that they both bragged had never wrestled together as a team. How are you going to beat us? One of those deals. Hmm. And uh, Al Costello, uh, he summed it up. He gave us a little to no chance of beating his spectacular team. And uh, studio, obviously, they didn't agree with it. Personality profile was with Bob Armstrong. And he and Les watched the video from the night before where Don Carson had suddenly reappeared in Southeastern exactly one year to the day after losing a loser leaves Southeastern <laughs> match to my brother. Yeah. I mean, he was counting the days. Timing uh, is everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, it was amazing, man. Yeah. He, he was right there. The day is the day I'm legal to come back. I'm going to come back. And it, yeah. and it showed Bob being attacked from behind by Carson with his loaded glove. Yeah. When the referee was on the other side of the ring, it showed Carson landing that big right hand on Bob. And Bob getting counted out and costing his team the tornado death match. And uh, Bob told Les, you know, he, he really couldn't think of a reason for Carson to attack him. He, he said, I, I don't really remember doing anything that bad to Carson. Hmm. So the studio was very unhappy, man. Uh, you know, the, the profile was over, basically. Bob's, you know, wondering why me, you know, in the studio. They were unhappy, man, to see the next wrestler. They exploded, man, when Don Carson came in the ring. <laughs> he stopped by <laughs> Les's desk on the way to the ring and said, Hello, Les Thatcher. It's good to be back in Southeastern. <laughs> he went to the ring, got himself a quick win, and then he returned to the set with Les. So Les asked him the question that Bob Armstrong had kind of finished the profile with. As soon as Carson sat down, Les says, you know, uh, he says, why did uh, you pick Bob Armstrong to attack <laughs> last night mm -hmm. <laughs> when when you decided to make your reappearance here, Don? And uh, Don replied that, you know, a year ago, he said, the day after my last loss here in Southeastern, before I left, he said, I went up to the control room and I took the video uh, that you had shown that day where y'all robbed me, where Robert Fuller, 
uh, Robert Fuller was beaten by me and Bob Armstrong came in the ring and, uh, and he got me thrown out of Southeastern. So Ooh. Les got real angry by the fact, you know, wrestlers were, weren't supposed to be in the control room, certainly not taking videos. Huh. So Les got real angry and he, he told him, you know, hey, Don, you know that wrestlers aren't allowed in the control room. And, uh, and uh, you know, and he said, I'm sure you knew that. So uh, then Don told Les, he said, but you know something, Les? He said, I'd already lost the night before. And he says, I was no longer a Southeastern wrestler. <laughs> you know, I, I lost to lose or leave. He said, so that rule didn't apply to me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, so he said, and you know, he said, I was very mad about the way I lost, you know? And he said, I wanted that tape. He said, so I could watch it often, man. And this year that's gone past, he said, I've watched it hundreds of times to remind myself constantly of how Southeastern wronged me, man. And how I was going to get even, man, when I came back. So, <laughs> so Carson asked the control room. He said, up there, he says, I brought the video back. He told Les, and he goes, why don't y'all roll it up there in the control room? <laughs> and Carson ran the video of which he lost. The match he lost a year earlier, and it pretty much showed exactly what he said. Rob mm -hmm. had him covered, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, Carson, you know, <laughs> Carson had Rob beat, and then showed Carson covering Rob, and then Carson pointed out that, uh, you know, he, did, he had to go over and get the referee because the referee was down. And mm -hmm. he said, that, you know, hey, hey Les, uh, uh, see, see me get up here and go over to the far side of the ring and get the referee, you know, and he, he said it's – and then, you know, it did show Bob Armstrong coming in the ring behind you. Mm -hmm. So Carson asked him, Les, he goes, who's that man? Right there, Les Thatcher. <laughs> Les, Les didn't answer. So Carson yells, stop the tape, stop the tape. And then he asked Les the question. Now there's Bob Armstrong ready to knock him out. He don't know he's there. And he says again to Les, who is that man, Les Thatcher? Is that not Bob Armstrong? You know? So and then he said, roll the tape. And he goes, watch this. And then the tape continued. And then Bob tapped him on the back, on the shoulder. Don turned around in the video. And boy, did Bob jack his job, man. <laughs> Bob left the ring. Robert crawled over there and pinned him. And the rest was history. And that so, is classic Don Carson. Just taking over the show, yeah. taking over Les's job, and officially he's back. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, and Les is still angry, man, you know, yeah. and, and, and yeah. especially with Carson. He takes over the show. You're right about every time he was on there. Yeah. So he cut up the conversation off right there, and he threw the segment through a commercial break <laughs> so that Carson couldn't control anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so when it returned after the commercial break, you know, there was interview time then. So, you know, so, and Carson's still sitting there. But uh, Carson was <laughs> still sitting there when it returned. But he and Les didn't say a single word to each other during that two-minute break. Oh. They didn't even look at each other. Les was mad and Carson was mad. So when the red light went on, instead of Les starting out and turning it over to Carson, Carson just cut him off and dived in. And he had plenty to say, man, about his year of absence. And he didn't hold back, man. He was just uh, they were running everybody down. And, you know, and he finished 
by saying very plainly to Les, he says, Les Thatcher, he goes, now it's my turn. He <laughs> said, I've watched this video hundreds of times, and I've been waiting on this day because I'm not going to be denied or satisfied until Bob Armstrong is just like me a year ago, gone from Southeastern. Uh, listen, I don't, did you, uh, you were the, were you the booker? At, at this time, yes. Well, yeah. uh, listen. This this transition is absolutely seamless. So, I mean, obviously, Don Carson was back with a revenge on his mind, and he, I mean, it just boomed. So the fans immediately the heat began. So that's uh, that's pretty awesome. The way he's not there, and now he's back and really back big time. So, all right. he in one day he's yeah. right back. He's yeah. got half his heat back, but boy, yeah. he's going yeah. to get a heck of a lot more in the next few. Weeks. <laughs> that, absolutely, uh, and and you expect that from him. All right. So who was who was in the last TV match? Uh, Bob Armstrong, man, of course, man. <laughs> yeah. after, after Don Carson uh, got to do his thing, boy, did Bob do his thing, man. He came out there and he was mad. <laughs> he was he was as mad as Carson was, man. And he nailed that big old Don Lamrick who weighed 300 plus pounds, man. He hit him with a right hand. Wow, you could hear it. You could hear his jaw crack down there at the at Nayland Stadium, man. I mean, it was like <laughs> uh, Lambert had to be carried out, man. He never got <laughs> Wow. Bob's doing the interview, and Lambert's still playing flat of his back. So the interview was just as fiery as Don Carson's, man, the segment before. Uh, what was happening here, Dave, is there's a wrestling war started between these two guys. Oh, it certainly sounds like it. And another great TV as well. So you are back into the Coliseum. Carson returns. Looks like Southeastern is going to be on fire in the fall of 1977. So what happens six days later in the Coliseum, Stud? Well, the fans were sure glad to be back home, man. And that beautiful building, I can tell you that, they were happy as heck. Uh, Tony Charles, man, and he welcomed them with some spectacular throws as he uh, quickly won his match against the bounty hunter, who was Greg Peterson, man. Mm. You know, uh, wow. 1977, who was still a pretty darn good wrestler at this point. Yeah. You know, uh, and wearing a mask. And uh, what a great match they had. Imagine Tony Charles and Greg Peterson. And think about that match. It, mm -hmm. was, a, it was tremendous first, first match. It was fantastic. Uh, Roy Lee Welch continued his climb up the card, and he managed a real impressive draw with uh, the pro, with Doug Gilbert. He did not get beat. Uh, he couldn't beat Gilbert, but Gilbert couldn't beat him. He's still moving up the card. Uh, Robert Fuller, my brother, had a great welcome home from the crowd, man. He'd been in the Memphis Territory for two weeks, and he made short work of old Al Costello. And uh, then the Southeastern Tag Champions, Mr. Knoxville, Garvin, and Orton, won by disqualification over Joe LaDuke and me. Uh, and uh, they won because Rob came down to the ring. Uh, Al Costello was constantly interfering in the match, and Rob came down to the ring and grabbed him by the back of the neck. And, uh, and the referee uh, thought Rob shouldn't have been there, and he rang the bell, and he disqualified us. And, and the uh, hmm. champions end up uh, keeping their belts. <laughs> Bob Armstrong... He won over Don Carson by disqualification. 
because the, the referee caught Don loading his glove. And, uh, and, and it was obvious Don didn't even try to hide the fact he was loading his glove. You know, match pretty well just got started and Don got ready and easy. I'm going to load my glove. And uh, and the referee saw him and he went over and he tried to check it. And Don pushed him away, pushed him away. Then he pushed him back, knocked him down. And then he charged across the ring and he had his glove loaded. And Bob wasn't ready for it. And uh, he blasted Bob right off the bat. And uh, it took him about six or seven minutes to stop the match. Bob was a bloody mess, man. Carson Carson left the ring and Bob really didn't get to do hardly anything to him. It was a uh, it was a lot different than what the fans had anticipated. Uh, the main event was the Southeastern Championship match and uh, that one really stole stole the show, man. Uh, fans were really got behind uh, Jerry Lawler. In fact, they brought their darn noisemakers, man, inside the building, right? <laughs> so for the first time the the uh, the horns and all that stuff uh, weren't outside. They were inside that building. That building was deafening, man, wow. during this match. Wow. And uh, one referee got knocked down toward the end of the match. Second referee came to the ring, and pretty quickly he got knocked down as well. Gorgeous George entered the ring, and he nailed Lawler with something from behind. He, he took something out of his, his little pants suit. And uh, and he put it on his hand, and he he pretty well turned uh, Lawler's lights out, and then he put Stomper on top of his on stop top of a uh, Lawler, and uh, the first rep uh, came over and they counted Lawler out. I came to the ring about that same time before he was actually counted out, and uh, and I grabbed Gigi and I threw him over the top rope, and I stomped the first referee that had counted him out in the back. And I climbed up on the top rope, and Stomper's still laying on top of uh, of uh, Lawler, and I jumped off the top rope on Stomper's back. And uh, then I rolled a Stomper over on his back, and Jerry called, Jerry Lawler crawled over, and he covered him. And the second re referee now counted. He got down and counted the Stomper out. Hmm. So second referee, he raised Lawler's hand first. Lawler was able to get up before Stomper, and uh, boy, the roof came off the building, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Lawler kept kept his belt. Uh, but then the first referee got up, and he raised the Stomper's hand. And boy, the crowd just went from cheers to booze, man. The crowd was like, no, 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 man. So now we got a problem again. Uh, nobody left the building, obviously. Hmm. The two refs got together and talked about it, and then. They got on the microphone, Bill Rainey, and he asked for Les Thatcher to come to the ring. Uh-oh. And uh, finally, there was a lengthy discussion. Les got in the ring with the two referees. And then uh, finally, Les got the microphone. He announced that the Southeastern title was going to be held up. There was no winner. Are you kidding? So, so, all right, who's going to wrestle Harley Race two Fridays later? <laughs> That's a great question, Dave. You know, hmm. and I guess we're not going to know the answer to that one until the next studcast, man. Come on, dude. Come on. You could <laughs> just tell me. I won't tell anybody else. 
<laughs> we'll get to it, my man. We'll get to it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you will. All right, so the question for the last couple of studcasts of who gets the Harley race shot on October 7th of 77 really has as many twists and turns as, well, like your novel Brutus, for example. Shameless plug. I think you said something like that just a couple of weeks ago, too. Hopefully, Ron, you can tell us how many were in the Coliseum for the first night back there. And the Coliseum holds a, a number of, well, at least a countable number more. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you, you were assured of getting a, a, a correct figure. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. I, and I definitely gave, a, you know, I, I can definitely give everybody that number. It was 5,500, man. Uh, you know, and it was great to be back in that big old building, man. Uh, and uh, we had not lost much momentum uh, from the <laughs> uh, from when we left there in May when we were doing those regular 5,000 or better crowds. Man, I can't tell you how much fun this has been, especially just the, the to me, the vivid image in my mind of Don Carson coming out of the dugout and strutting back into the ring and putting the old, what did he call it, peanut butter back on, and and then it's all a new game. So there you go. That's pretty awesome. On Facebook, to become friends with the stud, go to the Ron Fuller Tennessee Stud page or author Ron Fuller Welch page. Simply follow him on either of those pages, and you become friends with a legend on Twitter, Ron Fuller Welch, and follow him there too. Go to his website, tnstud.com, tnstud.com. Find everything related to the stud, all studcast, super studcast, the stud store with all kinds of souvenirs, and dinner with the stud tickets as well. His fantastic Brutus novel, even autographed if you like, and so much more. And don't forget to subscribe now, if you haven't already, to Ron's new home, Southeastern Rewind, on YouTube. Ring that bell and get the best in old-school wrestling, and we'll ring your bell every time something new is added on Southeastern Rewind. And don't forget to reserve your seat for the Wednesday, October 13th, Dinner with the Stud Super Event. There are limited seats remaining... All orders must be placed by Monday, October 11th. Go to tnstud.com. Do it as soon as possible. Click Stud Store and enjoy an unbelievable evening with the stud right there in Knoxville, Tennessee. You kind of turned everything upside down this stud cast, Ron. So what are we going to do about a challenger for Harley Race now with only one week before the NWA world title is at stake? What do you do there? Well, we're going to have a one-night tournament, man, uh, on, on the very next studcast. Wow. Uh, the winner not only is going to get the belt that's been held up, but he's also going to get the shot at Harley Race. Uh, and there's four going to be four first-round matches in this tournament. And uh, I'm going to read you the names of the contestants in those four matches. And the first one is another very familiar name. Terry Funk opens it up with my brother, against my brother, Robert Fuller. Uh, I'm going to be wrestling heads up the Mongolian Stomper, first round. The assassin that hasn't been there in almost two years returns to take on Ricky Gibson. And one of the great wrestlers in Europe, and all of Europe, the Irish champion, Pat Barrett, 
going to make his first ever Southeastern appearance, and he's going to be wrestling Doug Gilbert, the pro. Uh, Bob Armstrong on that card is going to also be against Don Carson, and this time it's going to be in an NWA non-sanctioned lights-out match, meaning anything goes. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, Bob's going to Bob's going to not get overwhelmed at the beginning of this one, I can guarantee you. There's going to be a Southeastern Tag Championship, Mr. Knoxville and Bob Orton Jr., and they're going to wrestle one of the most unique teams maybe that ever went into the ring. They're going up against Joe LaDuke and Ron Wright. There's going to be nine matches on this card, man. And uh, the Today's Training and the Learning Tree question also going to be back on next week's studcast as well. <laughs> and, and I got to thank everybody, man, for joining us today, Dave, and, uh, and uh, for everybody's support out there for what we do here. And I have the greatest fans in the world. I certainly appreciate every one of you. And please tell your friends about us. Take care of yourselves and others. And as always, may God bless us all. God bless you too, Stud. That's an amazing card. No wonder we had to cover two weeks Today, I can't wait to hear who wins the title shot. The Carson and the Armstrong winner and Ron Wright partners with Joe LaDuke. What is that about? I keep saying it. Studcaster getting better and better. So please join us again next week as we work our way to the NWA world title match. For Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains, I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at davidsummersproductions at gmail.com. This Studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud, LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic Studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.